Hello and welcome to episode number 78 of the Atlanta Man Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Rogers. I am joined once again by my good friend, Evan Etheridge. How are you doing after a very rough week in Atlanta? What's up, guys? Yeah, very, very rough. I mean, from the Hawks to the Falcons to the Braves not doing anything. Just a very, like, just, just a bad week, man. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, not much positive to take from really anything this week, but uh, we'll make do here. Um, something we're used to as fans of these respective teams. Just uh, <laughs> sometimes it gets bad and it'll get yeah, bad this week. So we can start off with the Falcons game and uh, talk about what happened against the the Commanders. Um, they lost this one 19 to 13 and pretty, I don't want to say it was devastating, but more probably just more so frustrating um than anything um but they lose this one to a commander's team that's not bad that, that's worth saying they're, they're they're now seven and five on the year i know when uh we were looking at the schedule and saw this game um a few weeks ago the commanders were much worse but i think they've won six out of the last seven games um they've yeah. been they've been really good lately i think they'd be in the playoffs right now the season ended today also so definitely not a uh terrible loss when it, when you look at the team they were playing but the way they lost it um was definitely bad. So before we get into the, to the nitty gritty here, yeah, what were your like overall takeaways from this one? Yeah, uh, Commanders. They started off the year one and four. They're now seven and five. So I mean, they're hot. They're playing good football. Um, they're rallying. They're rallying behind uh, Heineke right now, and they've got them rolling. But I knew coming into this game, it was going to be a very rush heavy game. You know, you lose pits, but still n- not much changes for the Falcons. You got rainy cold weather i knew it was going to be uh, a grounded pound kind of game and you know i was looking forward you know this game was huge because you know as as this one was going on you were also paying attention to the to the browns and bucks game um you know playoff implications so yeah i mean let's get into it now yeah we can get that the end talk about the bucks so just how big of a missed opportunity this was but um start out the game uh Falcons on their first drive opened it up with a field goal from Koo to make it three nothing. The Commanders um, punch right back with a touchdown from Brian Robinson, who had a very good game from him. And did you see his hat? His big hat. <laughs> the big. I need one of those. Yeah, he said if you want one, just let him know. Um, but <laughs> Brian Robinson just had a big hat after the game, which I thought that was funny. Um, and then the Falcons they come back, go up ten to seven. Um, touchdown to Michael Pruitt, his first of the year. That's so good for him. That put the Falcons up 10 to 7. Uh, that's from Mariota. Uh, Commanders kick a field goal, make it 10 10. They throw a pick the uh, the next drive to Michael Walker. A pretty bad throw from Heineke there. Uh, just really right to him. Um, so that that gave the Falcons some some hope at the end of the half. But uh, Koo, um at the buzzer, the second quarter, missed a 58 yarder and it stayed 10 to 10 at halftime. Uh, so, you know, really not mad at Koo for missing that one. Like you said, it was rainy, can, not great conditions at all, and it's a 58-yard field goal. Like, I know Koo is good, but, I mean, those, that's like Justin Tucker-level kicks right there if uh, he makes that. So uh, what were your overall thoughts in the first half? Yeah, first half was back and forth. Uh, was, the defense was playing very well, uh, two takeaways, because Heineke had only thrown one interception in his last, I think, three or four games. Um, so to get two off of him was nice. Um, yeah, I mean – Good, good, solid defensive stout to the to the first. I, I would have loved to, you know, maybe turn that field goal um, 
and into a touchdown to, to open up the game, but you know, not, not too many complaints here from me at half. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, kind of honestly how I thought things would probably go to start this game. Um, you know, I think these teams are pretty even on paper and it was perfectly right down the middle, even, um, and this one. So, uh, yeah, the commanders got the ball after the half and they Falcons forced a punt, but then they go three and out and get the commanders the ball back and they go down to score a touchdown on an 11 play drive, but they missed the point after attempt. They made 16 attempts and that's very important. Um, so the Falcons were able to score. They go up by a point, um, assuming they make their extra point. So that was a pretty big swing there, but if they can't score on their next possession to go kick a field goal uh, to end the third quarter to make it 16 to 13. And then the commanders um, to start the fourth go on a drive to kick a field goal themselves. That makes it 19 to 13. So you're still in that situation where a touchdown puts you on top. And uh, it looked like that was going to be the case for a little bit here. So the Falcons get the ball back five or three left in the game. And they really have just like a really nice drive to go all the way down inside the Washington 10 yard line. And it looked like, you know, that the Falcons were going to be able to punch it in because they were driving. um, And it looked like the commanders didn't really have an answer for them. Uh, this 10-play drive, went 80 yards, four minutes long, really burned the clock down to the end of the game and uh, put themselves in a really great situation. And um, before we get into the miserable part, they actually got kind of bailed out in a third and one. Uh, there was an offsides. I think it was on Montez Sweat, and uh, he jumped offsides, and the Falcons tried to run, and they didn't get it. So it would have been – they would have had to go for a fourth down, but they didn't have to do that since the, the um, commanders jumped – um, but then after that, things get uh, bad. <laughs> this is where the nightmare starts. Uh, Mariota on that first down after the uh, offsides gets kind of just like wrapped up in the backfield by two guys. It looked like it was just going to be a loss of maybe four or five yards, but he escapes it and has a chance to throw the ball away and just doesn't. And he ends up taking the loss of two. That's just kind of Mariota, you know, his signature doing too much play of just trying to make things happen. And, um, didn't, didn't help them at all. There's a lost two yards, put them back on the four yard line. And I said this in the moment. I was like, oh man, we're back to the four now. We're probably going to throw the ball at some point now. <laughs> um, I was second down with four yards to go. And they immediately try to throw the ball in second down. And uh, he throws a pick. And the ball gets tipped by Deron Payne, caught by Kendall Fuller. Um, you know, he was intended receiver was Cordero Patterson. And I went back and kind of like try to break down the stuff, see what exactly happened, trying to see where I need to evaluate my blame, if it was just a good defense or a bad Mariota. And my conclusion was a little bit of both. And I can get into why, but uh, I'll let you talk. I've been talking for a minute now. So you can uh, tell me what you thought of this whole sequence here. Well, I know exactly where to put the blame, and it's it's nobody on the field. It's Arthur Smith calling the plays, man. I mean, we're averaging six yards a carry. Six yards a carry. We have first and goal on the two-yard line with three timeouts. Dude, I I'm running the ball four times straight up the middle. I I am not I am not putting the ball in Marietta's hands and telling him to win the game for me. I'm handing it off four times in a row, and if they stop us, you just gotta tip your cap. I mean, this was pathetic, absolutely pathetic, and I just don't understand. We were running the ball so well the entire day, and you know it 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 just blows it just baffles me. I I don't know what we're doing, man. I'm running the ball straight up the middle every time. Yeah, I agree. And um, you know, then uh, I believe that first down play where Mariota got lost a couple of yards, that was a pass play. It wasn't just him trying to run. Um, he just got kind of like sacked in the backfield trying to throw the ball. Um, so yeah, I don't really get it either. After you get the first and goal at the two, 
and you have all your timeouts, you know, you have everything you need. It's kind of just an ideal situation for uh, the Falcons, the way they play. And um, yeah. yeah, yeah, it is, it was bad. And, um, but I do think, you know, you got to give Deron Payne some credit for getting his hand on that ball and uh, tipping up to Fuller. And once he got tipped, it was like right to Kendall Fuller. He just had to not drop it. The easiest deflection of his life. Um, but I was looking at the pass by Mariota and, you know, CP was kind of running to his right towards the pylon and out of bounds. And, you know, if Mariota just tries to put a little touch on that ball and just make sure that ball can get over the line of scrimmage and over the, the, the defenders, I think CP catches that for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. He tries to throw like a rocket to him. And I think that ball had actually been behind Patterson too. Cause he tries to throw a rocket and to kind of just like do it downward. I know you can't see it cause this is a podcast, but I'm doing this with my arm and he just kind of threw it downward. So just kind of put a little touch on it. You know, I'm not a, listen, he's a quarterback and I'm not, I know, but uh, I'm not trying to tell him how to do his job, even though he's not great. But I thought that was just looking back on that play. I was just like, God, man, it looked like if I think a bunch of other quarterbacks make that play. Cause Patterson was open to be fair to Arthur Smith. They had him open. Um, I, I do agree with you still that they should have been running the ball, but um, still, Bad play by Mariota. Good play by the commanders all around. Uh, but even then, even after all this, the bad play and all that, the game was not over. Uh, like you said, the Falcons had all their timeouts still. And I believe there was 58 seconds left. Yeah, 58 seconds left in the game. And uh, the Falcons get a stop immediately. You know, three and out for the commanders. Force them to punt. Um, but on the punt, it gets immediately erased. The whole stop. Because Ogundeji runs into the commander's punter. And uh, I believe it was fourth and four, fourth and three. I think it was only a running into the punter, so it was only a five-yard penalty, but still they were within five yards and uh, gave him the first down. Falcons were out of timeouts, and the game was over after that. So, uh, what, yeah, what was your thoughts on that uh, that whole situation on the punt there? Because that was probably more frustrating than um, the pick, honestly. Nah, I'm not really too upset about it. I, I think you have a better shot at trying to block, you know, you know, block a punt in, in, in bad rainy weather than then you do go 75 yards with no timeouts after you just used them all. So I'm not upset at all. I mean, he tried it. I mean, that game was, that game was demoralizing. Um, you know, when we, when he threw that pick, I mean, I, I really wasn't too upset about, uh, Ogun D D or however, how you pronounce his name. I'm, I'm not upset. Ogun Deji. Deji. Yeah. Not on um, him at all. Yeah. I mean, I, I might disagree with a little bit there. I mean, I know he's trying to make a play there. I mean, it's hard to try to block it and not hit him sometimes. I get that. But I think it was just the accumulation of the pick happening and that happening once the defense got to stop. That really made it like, oh, my God. Like, they just are blowing it left and right here. And I think that just probably was like the icing on the cake of just the frustratingness of this end of this game. Um, so, yeah. No, that, I, I, uh, I get that for sure. I, I, I think if we were within a field goal, it definitely it definitely would have irritated me more. Um, but the fact that we had to go all the way down and, and it was a touchdown or bust. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, you do yeah. lose all hope after that, but you know, it is yeah, what you're it right. Is. It, it's still it was definitely an uphill battle, even if they get that they if it's just a regular punt. Like it's probably Falcons are probably not favored to win the game at that point at all with no timeouts and not much time left at all on the clock. Uh so yeah, uh, we can talk about the just some of the stats here, what happened in the game. And like you said. Falcons ran the ball extremely well in this game. The running numbers are awesome. Um, 29 carries and 167 total yards, 5.8 yards a carry. That is very, very good. Um, you know, the only touch touchdown they scored was the passing touchdown for Mariota to Pruitt. Um, passing game, Mariota, uh, he was fine. I mean, this was just kind of the ideal 
scenario. I mean, outside of the pick, he was fine. Um, kind of the ideal scenario for him to operate and him be solid um, where the running game's just going really good and he just has to do not that much throwing the ball. And he did throw the ball 25 times, which is a good bit, but I don't think he was killing them or anything. Um, he had a pretty good game running the ball too. Six carries for 49 yards. That's over eight yards a carry. So, uh, yeah, what do you think of Mariota's performance? Um, you know, I know he had the, the pick at the end, but I, I do think that it was one of his more just okay games and he didn't really hurt them except for the pick, really. I, I swear I look at the stat line every week and Mariota, Mar- it's the same game every week. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just, I mean, you know what you have in him. You know what you're going to get out of him. And nothing changes from week to week. And so, you know, I don't I think say, he played. Uh, all of them outside that Panthers game where he was just terrible. Yeah, I, yeah absolutely. That's the, one, that's the one outlier. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, he's not playing bad. He's not playing good. He's just he's just Marcus Mariota. Like he's in a category <laughs> of his own. <laughs> yeah. League of his own. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah he he was he was whatever um receiving the ball um the receivers Zacchaeus was actually the main target today um led the team in targets and receptions almost cracked 100 yards too five catches for 91 yards uh Drake London only had two catches 29 yards CP3 for 19 um like I said Pruitt had the touchdown catch but uh yeah he was really spreading the ball around um, let me see here how many is this one two three four five six seven eight different guys caught a pass of the 15 completion so yeah i mean no kyle pitts i mean i don't think that really would have stopped him from distributing the ball this way anyway it's kind of well noted that uh arthur smith does not care about who gets the football receiving wise um so yeah that's a that's pretty typical pretty typical passing game for the falcons team this year but really probably one of their better running running games but uh on the other side of the coin the commanders ran the ball pretty well too now they ran actually 37 times for 176 yards, about five yards of carry. Not as good uh, average-wise as the Falcons, but on a little more volume. Uh, Brian Robinson, though, was awesome in this game. Um, 18 carries for 105 yards, 5.8 yards per carry, and he had uh, two receptions for 20 yards and a receiving touchdown. So what were your um, overall thoughts on the defense in this one? Um, so really, I think they were fine in the pass game, but you know they kind of got uh, burnt in the run game, especially by Robinson. Yeah, in the second half, you definitely saw them, uh, you know, getting tired. Um, Washington was running the ball very well in the second half. I think yeah. I think they were averaging almost seven yards of carry in the second half. So, um, you know, that that kind of happens when you when you seem to get downhill a little bit like that. But receiving wise, like you said, Terry McLaurin, forty eight yards, leading receiver. Um, Jahan Dot, yeah, Jahan Dotson didn't do anything. He only had one target. Um, you know, so I. I Terrell played good. I like our corners and our and our secondary played very well. Um, I just think the run game, you know, as as it seemed like Washington had a couple drives where it was like 10, 11, 12 plays with over, you know, eight minutes. They had they had a couple drives like that over eight minutes, and it was just they were just wearing the defense out, and you could tell. So not 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 bad at all. I mean, nineteen points is still under average. I'm pretty sure. So. Yeah, I think on the whole they played well, but um, you're right. The second half, the run defense, they seemed gas. Like, I don't know what caught up with them. I mean, the the commanders were relentless running the ball. They ran it 37 times. That's a lot. That's a lot more than a lot of teams run it at all in today's game. Uh, so I do think they just got a little gas, a little tired. And you know, Brian Robinson, man, he was good. And I'm actually, I'm I'm happy for Brian Robinson. I mean, the big hat stuff, I like him a lot. You know, his story is pretty pretty cool. He got shot in the before the season started. Him 
being like a real contributor after that is pretty wild on its own. And the commanders being good are that's pretty cool. I don't I like the commanders. You know, I know we lost one, but I like the commanders. I like the commanders. I don't like their owner though. Oh yeah. I mean he's about to be out of there though. So he's the worst, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel bad. I feel bad for that organization because he's just been hamstringing the whole team for 20 years now. Um, yeah. I think it's about to be Bezos and they're seeing Bezos, McConaughey, and Jay-Z. <laughs> <laughs> what a trio, man. Yeah, it's, it's going to be great. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that's about all I got on this one. If you want to add anything else, um, we can uh, move on to the Hawks if you ain't going to say else. Oh, actually, I got one more thing. I forgot the playoff odds. I forgot I wrote this down. Um, we did. We need to talk about the Bucks game, too, a little bit of how that just – I mean, it's better that they lost, but at the same time, it sucks that we couldn't take advantage of it. But they did lose to the Browns in overtime. Um, so now they're in first place at five and six. Falcons are half game back at five and seven um, in uh, second place. But uh, 538 gives them a 19% chance to make the playoffs and a 15% chance to win the division. Uh, do those numbers sound about right to you? Mm, I'm not sure, man. Because looking at the tiebreakers right now, um, you know, we're we're gonna have to beat the Bucks again. Um, that's that's no question. And then looking at this upcoming schedule, um, I don't know about you, but I think the Ravens, uh, the Cardinals are beatable, the Saints and the Steelers are beatable. I think that's that's probably about right. I think it might be a little high. I think it, I think we might experiment here, um, with with a with a QB change here in a couple weeks I'm predicting so I don't know mm. I don't okay. know if we're going to make playoffs man I think that might be a little high honestly but yeah it's I mean it's 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 right around it I probably like in my head it's like probably like 15% probably like a couple of percentage points high but it's close enough I mean these next two games are going to decide a lot um Pittsburgh and the Saints are both not good um and they're winnable games I don't think they're going to beat the Ravens. They could, wouldn't bet on it. The Cardinals, they can beat. I think the Cardinals suck, and the Bucks, I think they suck too. But they just, I just don't, I just don't know. I mean, yeah. Like they, them losing that Browns game was bad. <laughs> so I, I really can't get a read on them. Um, this division is just bad. Um, but I mean, like I said last week, just make the Bucks game matter. They're still in position to do that i mean i think it'll definitely matter i mean just looking how things are shaping up um let me look at tampa's schedule real quick tampa tampa has uh the 49ers and then the Bengals. yeah that's what um, i knew that i knew it was kind of tough i think they'll lose both of those games cardinals panthers and then they end with, with, with us and the falcons so yeah they got the yeah. saints saints next week and then niners Bengals. i think they'll lose both of the games to the Niners and Bengals but yeah other than that their schedule is pretty easy but I could see them losing one of those games to Saints Cardinals or Panthers just because just the randomness of football and they're just not very good either so yeah absolutely I could I, these next two games are going to mean a lot that's for sure because we're on by um, after the Steelers game and then we'll be watching from home watch them play the uh, the Bengals I believe or the 49ers first 49ers yeah, yeah. the 49ers yeah. look awesome right now so I think they man, the Bengals look really good right now. Um, so yeah, the, the Bucks. I mean, they're bad. They're not good. I mean, Todd Bowles is just a bad coach. Just watching how he managed that game was tough. Um, but good, good for us. But yeah, it was a missed opportunity on the whole. They could have been in first place by themselves, over five hundred too. Um, or no, we'd be at five hundred, six and six. Never mind. Uh, but still, 
yeah, could have been in first place, but you're not. You're still only a half game out. You can still, still win the division, but poof, that was tough. That was a tough mm-hmm. uh, sequence of events there with between those two games. It was still good that the Bucks lost. Uh, so, yeah, now do you have any final thoughts? Because uh, I forgot about that last part. I do not. Let's talk some basketball. All right. Yeah, because it's not much better um, <laughs> over here <laughs> with the Hawks. But, uh, yeah, since we recorded last, they are 1-4. and four. Um, One win came against the Kings on Wednesday night um, in Kevin Herter's return, which, honestly, I thought that's like a game the Hawks are going to lose. I thought Kevin Herter was going to absolutely torch us in that game. Um, but – didn't end up happening. They get a pretty nice win there. Trey Young was very good in that game, but uh, yeah, they lose to Cleveland start the week last week. Uh, Dejounte Murray, I, th- I think, in my opinion, his worst game with the Hawks. He was very bad in that one. He had 11 points on four of 17 shooting, which is um, not good. He's just kind of had a rough week on the whole. I know he has he had the one game against the Rockets where he was on fire offensively, but um, he's just kind of struggled defensively all week too which uh, is not good for the Hawks at all. Um, but, yeah, they, they won that game against the Kings. And uh, the one game I want to talk about in particular was the Rockets game because it was just an absurd basketball game. Um, they lose to Houston, who at the time were 3-14 and 14 at the time of this game. Um, and the Hawks led by as many as 16 points in the second half. But in the fourth quarter, they get outscored 34-18. to 18. They get absolutely blitzed on the boards and um, Clint Capella did not play in this game. He missed the, the two games against the Rockets and the heat. Uh, and I just want to say this stat that I let you talk about this one a little bit, but cleaning the glass, they do like a percentile rankings of, you know, just different stats. And the Hawks were zero, 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 zero percentile and offensive rebound rate. That means they gave up a 51% offensive rebound rate to the Rockets that's like half of the balls coming off the glass getting rebounded by the offense is ridiculous. And that just kind of shows you how much Capella means to this team. So yeah. What are your thoughts on, on that? Just a disaster of a game. Yeah. That goes, that goes out to the the trade Capella crowd, you know, Yeah, right, right there. I mean, we got out rebounded 59 to 28 against the Houston Rockets. Yeah. Um, That's bad. That's very bad. And after so much, Smack that DeJounte and Trey were talking. You can't lose that game, man. Can't lose that game. Yeah, the game definitely changed when that happened. And I, I do want to talk about DeJounte and Trey because I know we're like it's they kind of look bad in this game a little bit, but they had Trey had 44 and he had 39. <laughs> yeah. They it's did hard their to part, look, man. It's hard to look and they kind of look bad this game, though. They had a they were bad after that whole scuffle. It's weird, but it's weird to like say, God, Trey and DeJounte, man. Come on now. They had 44 and 39. DeJounte had 39 and eight threes made. Those are both his career highs. And they just, they were bad in the fourth quarter. That whole scuffle between uh, Jalen Green and Kevin Porter, all that, you know, the game changed after that. And the Rockets just took over. And, um, you know, the, the Rockets, they're a, they're a young team. They're very bad. Um, but they do have some talent. Jalen Green, who was their the guy in this game for them. He had 30 points on seven, seven and nine from the free throw line, 10 of 17, uh, three of nine from three. He was good. Um, Jabari Smith, the rookie from Auburn. He was really good. Uh, Kenya, Kenya Martin jr. Was good. So, I mean, they got a lot of young talent, but man, um, you can't lose that game. <laughs> you just can't. And I know Capella. I mean, it just shows how important Capella is to this team. I mean, I love a Kongu. He's been struggling lately too, in my opinion, but 
He's just not a great rebounder. I know he had 11 in this game, but he played a 33 Kongu, minutes. A Kongu didn't take a shot in this game. Yeah. He didn't Zero take a attempts. shot in 33 minutes. 33 yeah. minutes. Got to the line six times, but didn't 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 attempt a shot. That is pretty wild. And he had a uh, 11 rebounds, but um, and that's not it's not all on him. I know he is the center, um, but I think they did some Collins at the center, which that's just not going to go great rebounding wise. Frank Kaminsky has been bad. I mean, I know that's kind of expected, but he kind of has to play at least a little bit when a. Capella or Akangu are out just because they have another center because they don't I don't think they want to do Collins at center for like a super for super long stretches of time at all just because the defense is not great there um because then you have to play like Hunter at the four and he's not great at the four it just moves a lot of a lot of moving parts um but uh yeah the re- rebounding was just I mean that was that was the thing in this game and I mean the Rockets are good good rebounding team that's like one of the things that they're like decent at but they're bad at everything else so I kind of I, I kind of get a little bit but that bad like you're that you can't get they they're out rebounding you when they're on offense and you're on defense. It's a lot easier to get rebounds when you're on defense. <laughs> and they got them more on offense. Like it's it's insane. It was just an insane stat of how bad they were. Um, but uh, yeah, then just add on, insult to injury. They lose the next two games. Um, lose to the Heat without Jimmy Butler. Uh, they also were without Capella in that game, which. Uh, that that sucks, but um, still without without Jimmy, I think Duncan Robinson was out too, uh, for the Heat, and they lost that game when they were in control of that one. And then last night to the Sixers, they lose to them without uh, Tyrese Maxey and James Harden, and they were in control of that game also. And the <laughs> offense just kind of says fell apart um, late in these games in the fourth quarter. It has just uh been a been rough, been a rough week. So uh, yeah, what what are, what are your thoughts on the last two against the Heat and the Sixers? Very frustrating, man. Um. Very frustrating. I know last night, like the last two possessions of the game, Trey is dribbling the ball out with with. He dribbled the air out of the ball last night. It was bad. Yeah, both both possessions, he's dribbling the ball with under ten seconds left on the the shot clock, and then he just throws up a wild shot. Like, and then you know, going down the court, you're trying to, you're trying to win the game, and he throws up an alley oop. Like, yeah, that, that was that was very questionable too. I don't know if that was designed. For him to do that or he just did that on his own either way it's bad um and b did make a nice play on that though to give a little bit of credit um to get that to break that up to because it was to collins mm-hmm. um but still like Embiid is going to be able to jump in front of collins he's joel Embiid. he's a massive human being that's that that's like gonna happen there and um yeah that was a weird play call all the way there and i didn't like that at all it just it just seems this year like trey is kind of getting too cute with the the alleys and the floaters like commit to one and you know i don't know it, it just seems to me like he's throwing more alleys instead of more floaters and and that was one of the strongest parts of his game really you know in transition over a big um or a guy crashing i just i don't know what do you think yeah i think i think it's a little bit of him trying to make it happen more on the lobs because i mean this has been a huge staple of just the hawks in general for the past few years between you know obviously him and collins on the pick and roll and Capella too, and even the Congo at times, just finding them for lobs. Um, but I think he's trying to make the lobs happen a lot more because the Hawks aren't running as much pick and roll with John Collins this year. With like Murray getting more usage on offense, like Collins' role has been reduced, obviously, on offense. And um, I think it's just he's just trying to force it a little bit because he loves doing it and he's good at it when when it's like when it's the time and it's actually open for him to do. So I think it's a little bit of him forcing it. He's had some like in between plays too, where it's like 
you don't know if it's a floater or a lob, but he's like, his decision-making is like a little off. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it might be a little bit of that too. I think just offense, offensively, the Hawks, I mean, it's just, it's been the defense that's been really like uh, winning games for them. I know they haven't won a lot lately, but it's because just the offense just hasn't been very good. And no. um, Trey, you know, he's had flashes of just kind of like looking like his old self, like the Rockets game. He looked good against the Kings too, but then, you know, against the Sixers and the Heat, and I, he didn't play super well against Cleveland either. He just hasn't been able to consistently be Trey Young. But um, you know, he was awesome though. I mean, I, I know we kind of talked shit on him about that Rockets game, but he was awesome against the Rockets for three quarters. I mean, he had forty-four points. I mean, you can't fake that. He's he still got it in him. Um, but yeah, man, it's uh, it's hard to catch up with him because you know when the Hawks when we talked talked about like a few weeks ago. That we're kind of complaining about the Hawks and just how they were playing. When we looked at the record, like, oh, but they're still or whatever they were at the time. They're like seven and four. Like they have a good record. All that stuff starting to catch up with them a little bit, I think. And um, now they're eleven and ten. They're about to be five hundred if they don't win on Wednesday. So it's uh it's not looking good. They need to turn things around very quickly because the East is good. The East is deep, and you don't want to get in that position that, that you were in last year, where you're in the play-in tournament. This this team cannot be a play-in tournament team again. Like. Uh-uh. Nate McMillan, like he, if this team gets, I mean, if they get in the playing tournament, make the playoffs. I, I don't know if I don't know how that affects the job, but if they go in the playing tournament, don't make the playoffs, he's gone in my opinion. I don't, I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, absolutely, dude. He's he's very frustrating. Like it, the offensive scheme is just not there. We're not taking enough threes. We're not yeah. making our threes like when we take them. It's just very frustrating. Um, you know, to to have, to blow three leads in a row like that. Uh, up 16, up 11, and then up 16 again last night, and and to lose all three of those, it's just very frustrating basketball, and and something something big has got to happen. I don't know if it's a trade, or if it's a change in in the coaching. You know, I I don't know what needs to go down. Maybe a team meeting needs to t- needs to happen or something. But it, players just, only meeting. Yeah, it, it was super frustrating, man. They, somebody's they got to wake up, man. Seriously. Yeah. And speaking of like a trade or something, there's still, I don't know if you saw like, how, I mean, it's still like the same reporting that it's been for like over like two years now, but they're still trying to trade John Collins. Um, yeah. And people have been, some of the end guys that are inside the league say it's like inevitable that he's going to get traded. I've heard that for two years now. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't like, I, I didn't want to like put that, talk about those rumors because it's just like the same stuff that's been happening forever. Once something actually happens or we'll talk about it, but yeah, Collins could get traded like, anytime or he couldn't i just don't even know they're kind of obsessed with trading him um but yeah they, they've been super frustrating right now to say the least and um one uh thing i want to talk about before we move on is that uh this was actually announced like an hour ago that bogey is looks like he's about to be back soon um he's listed for doubtful for wednesday's game that is the first time all year that he's been on the injury report as anything other than just out um so for wednesday's game in orlando he is now doubtful um, I wouldn't expect him to play, honestly. Um, but it looks like he could be back within like a week or so. I'm not sure. So, uh, how do you feel about that? Because that could be huge for this team and for the offense. Huge, huge for the second unit, man. And and the three point shot, like Bogey brings the energy. You know, he plays he plays solid D when when he wants to put the effort in. I think, and um, he definitely helped with the three point shot. I mean, that's that's what he's here for, and I think that'll be a huge addition. Yeah, no doubt. So, um. Hopefully by the time we record next week, he will have played. I'm sure he's going to be on a minutes limit for sure for his first couple of games, I'd assume. Um, but yeah, if he could play Friday against the Nuggets, that'd be awesome. 
Um, so I think that's definitely on the table and him coming back, you know, that could, that could be season changing stuff for this, for this team and might be what, just what they needed. So let's hope that's the case. So um, yeah, if you, uh, you got anything else before we talk uh, a little bit about the Braves? <laughs> no, we, <laughs> we got a lot of news for the Braves boys. <laughs> oh yeah. It's loaded. Um, yeah, we have two bullet points on the notes for the Braves. Absolutely nothing has happened, which is true. I mean, I guess the only thing Braves related that's happened is Ron Acuna won the home run derby in the DR. <laughs> I mean, if you want, I mean, I know, I know William Contreras was in it too. Um, and so he beat him. I mean, that's like the only thing that's actually happened with a Braves player. I think Dan's went on vacation. We'll talk about that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, but I did have one thing I wanted to talk about something that I conjured up in my head early this week. Um, it's really two trades that I conjured up in my brain, but uh, this happened because I don't know if you saw this, but the Brewers traded Hunter Renfro to the angels earlier this week. And um, got me thinking about the Brewers and their shortstop, Willie Adamas, who I think the more you think about it and the Braves have seemed kind of reluctant to give a huge contract to one of these shortstops, would make a lot of sense for them to try to trade for Willie Adamas. If the Brewers are, blowing it up and rebuilding because they traded Hunter Renfro, who was their best hitter last year for three pitching prospects from the angels. So that's not, that's not a, a move a team makes when they're trying to win now. And um, I know, I know there's actually a report that the Dodgers have checked in on Adamus, so he might be available. And um, it, it makes a lot of sense for the Braves to uh, go after a guy like Adamus who has two years left on his contract. Doesn't make a lot of money. You don't have to pay them. And it just seems like the Braves don't want to pay one of these big shortstops from, from the report that came out that they're like kind of out on the Turners and Correa's uh, just because of the price tag. So um, what do you think about Adamas? Uh, I remember um, it's interesting, very interesting. Um, I remember when he got traded from the Rays a couple of years ago um, and he just, he was going nuclear. This dude was hitting like home runs after home runs, even though he wasn't really known as a home run hitter um, for, for Milwaukee. And so, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Um, like you said, if they're out of out on Correa and Turner, I don't think Dansby's very f- far behind them in in the money talks. Like, for being honest, um, I think he's definitely played himself into a big role, big contract. And I don't know if the Braves are gonna. I, I just don't know what they're gonna do. They're so quiet, and I could definitely see them kind of trading for a guy like Adamas, kind of bridge the gap. Um, you know, see if see if they can develop um, Grissom. You know, kind of see what they have after a couple years with him. Uh, maybe maybe move that money somewhere else. Pay pay a, another pitcher. Pay Max Freed. It's a very interesting move. I'm, I, you know, I'm not I'm not opposed to it really. He's a solid player. Yeah, and um, I think it was Ken Rosenthal that actually said that the Braves like weren't like they they might they might not want to pay one of those guys a huge bag they're going to get like Ray or Turner. Um, but I like I don't I don't know that like they could still do that they could still bring back Dansby I still think bringing back Dansby is like my number one most likely outcome I think but I mean yeah it, it makes a lot of sense um, but here's here's where I bring in my second trade which this one is just absolutely insane I'm just gonna say it off the bat I don't know why I started thinking about this I started plugging into the little trade similar thing that they have uh, but uh, I was just thinking the Braves don't want to give up a bunch of prospects they want to save the prospects and get Adamas. There could be a deal to be made and just bear with me here. So the Braves would receive in this trade, Willie Adamas, 
Christian Yelich and cash considerations <laughs> to pay for some of Yelich's insane contract. And the Brewers would receive Marcelo Zuna <laughs> and just some okay prospects. Not the big ones that it would take if it was just Adamus straight up. Um, but you know, the Brewers are a team that don't like to they don't like to spend money. And I think they would love to get Christian Yelich's contract off their books. Um, let me pull up his contract real quick just to give you an idea of what it would be. By the way, this is just pure speculation. I have no intel here. There's no there have been no rumors or anything. Um, but uh, while I pull this up, what are your thoughts on that one? <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> I, like I mean, I, I love the idea. dollars to pay for Yelich's, some of his contract. That's, that's lo- the money. <laughs> I love the idea of getting rid of Ozuna, but you just don't know what you have in Yelich, man. Like, he was so good three years ago, he four years awesome. ago. Like, I love that guy, man, but he just he fell off the face of the earth. Him, him and Bellinger... Like that's something we'll talk about to our kids one day. Like the run they had, yeah, the I biggest mean, what I, if, yeah. I mean, he, he's a free agent right now too. Um, which I don't think the Braves will sign Bellinger, but uh, yeah. So right now, um, he's owed twenty six million dollars per year through twenty twenty eight, which is a lot of money. Um, but if the Brewers paid for some of it, Braves took him on. That fills the left field spot that they need. Gives you a shortstop, gets rid of Ozuna. And, I mean, when Yelich was uh, on the Marlins and the Marlins were trying to trade him, the Braves were very close to trading for him. I think the only thing holding that deal back was um, the Marlins wanted Ronald Acuna. So the Braves were just like, we're not going to do that. Um, I think that was the same case with JT Real Muto, too. I think the Marlins were just demanding Acuna. And that's why the, neither of those deals got happened or got happened, happened with the uh, Marlins there. So this is a guy that Anthopolis has had interest in before. Um, you know, Yelich has not been great since 2019, but he's he's been uh, about an average hitter, making a lot of money. Um, but, uh, yeah, just uh, I just want to throw in there to give us something to talk about with the Braves. Um, if they did that, that would be a, quite the bombshell. But, um, yeah, yeah, like since – let me pull up his exact numbers since – 2019 were 2018 2019 is like the best hitter in baseball besides Mike Trout but uh yeah since 2019 he has a 745 OPS so just pretty much just an average hitter um, I don't know if the Braves think they could fix him or something but um yeah I don't know <laughs> it is an, I, it's an insane proposition I know I know it's worth a shot I also think Cody Bellinger is worth a shot I mean I don't think I think I think he would definitely be a guy to sign a short term deal, kind of like a prove me contract, um, and then and then go for the bigger contract because he hasn't shown anything the last couple of years. Um, I I wouldn't be opposed to taking a little risk on him. Yeah, the thing um, with Bellinger, yeah. I think he's gonna go somewhere where he's the center fielder, and the Braves just can't offer that with Harris. He's just not gonna play center field. But I mean, I don't know if you want to go to a contender and try to win a one-year deal and say i'll play left field then i wouldn't hate it but i don't know i don't know what his market's even gonna be like like what do you even pay him like how do you yeah. even pay him like it's so weird because he's been so bad for two years you would literally just be paying him on the chance that he could start to hit again which i don't know i don't know he's just a, such a weird free agent to evaluate and that's kind of why the dodgers cut ties with him because i think they're gonna have to pay him 18 million dollars in arbitration and they're just like, I'm, we're not doing that. Um, so, yeah, I don't even know what kind of deal he's going to command. 
I'm sure teams will be interested and the Braves might be one of them, but um, yeah, man, there's just been nothing. It's been radio silence. I know yesterday the Astros signed Jose Abreu, but that's been like it for baseball entirely. Like nothing has happened. Yeah. That Astros lineup is scary, man. Like, yeah, geez. they're not going anywhere. They're, they're so good. Um, but uh, yeah, there's really nothing else to talk about with the Braves except for my, my, uh, my, <laughs> my little thoughts on uh this made up trade. That's the <laughs> closest thing we got to news is just me conjuring things up in my head. It's like the um, MLB network in the winter. You you turn it on and they're sitting there talking about absolutely nothing, but they're talking. I that dude, if I, I walked in the MLB network and said that, they would put that on the TV. They'd be like, <laughs> Oh yeah, let's cook up this graphic and let's get some clicks. Like that's <laughs> Hey, we're taking calls MLB network, by the way. So yeah, if you want me to just invite me in, I can throw up some mock trades for you. <laughs> get the get the blood flowing. Just let me know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's all I got. If you uh, if you have any fake trades of your own, you can uh, share them now. <laughs> <laughs> I do not actually, man. Uh, I do not have any fake trades so far. I'm just ready for some some signings to happen. Like, jeez, uh, I just want ready. something like like sign like just sign some reliever or something. Just do something, man. Yeah, I, I need I need one Braves tweet of just the Braves that came to agreement with somebody, just somebody. Um, yeah, but uh, I, I saw a fake. Um, this 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 tweet got me. Um, it was a verified account because he paid for it. Twitter blue now, and uh, it, it was the it was the press release like the perfect font everything that the Atlanta Braves do, and it said Braves have acquired. Jacob deGrom. Oh, <laughs> and I, my God. It got me, man. I can't even lie. I can't even lie. Yeah, that – um. let's see. For now, on Twitter, I got to click, and then if you click on the blue check mark, it lets you know if they're a real, real verified person or not. So I don't even – I don't let myself get that far. I don't know how you do that, man. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> don't, get, don't, get, don't get scammed out here. Like, yeah, watch on. out for uh, ball sack sports. He's, yeah, he's getting ball everybody. Ball sack sports, I, I mean – yeah, he's about to go on a historic run <laughs> for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, man, that's uh, that's all I got on this one. If you got any uh, final thoughts, um, now we can get out of here because I think we covered it all. Yeah, man, kind of a kind of a sad week in Atlanta sports, but um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. It happens. Hopefully, everybody can turn it around. So yeah, hopefully next week, uh, Falcons win, Hawks win a couple games, and the Braves do something. That'd be ideal for the podcast, but. Uh, might be asking for too much for being honest. So, uh, yeah, if you made it this far listening this episode, we really, really appreciate it. And we'll see you next week with a new one.